David Watts on Mix 93.8. Mix 93.8, legendary radio. As we do each and every Monday night at this time, welcome to it. It is What's Involved, the show where we talk business, entrepreneurial things and things motivational. Tonight, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, my special guest in studio is Zara Roji. Hello, Zara. Hi, hi. How are you? Good. Uh, nice to have you with us. Okay, let's start off right at the beginning and then we'll get into and we'll explain exactly why you're here and what we're going to be talking about. Uh, you are from a company called Uzenzele. That is correct. So, first and foremost, what does Uzenzele mean? Uzenzele is a Zulu word that means to do for yourself. Um, we've extended that to say not by yourself, but certainly want businesses to take initiative and take ownership. Okay, so what does Uzenzele do? We are a boutique uh, consultancy firm. We assist businesses to access developmental funding predominantly, uh, grant funds, and then uh, debt from the likes of the IDC, the NEF, the DTI, and commercial uh, banks as well. Wow. Okay. So, so is it is it sort of fair enough to say you demystify the funding sort of swamps that people uh, have to go through? I think that's a fair comment. I think that's a very fair comment. Okay. So, so let's sort of tell me a little bit about Zara. I mean, you you, you now own uh, Uzenzele. Your sister's in the business with you as well. Um, but how did you? How did Zara get into? A business like this because it doesn't sound like something you just wake up one day and go oh, okay that sounds like a great idea no certainly isn't isn't that at all um my sister and i come from family business and i think that's a big part of how we ended up in in uzenzele um we worked for the family business my father owned a food distribution company one of the largest in the country and after university we both went into the family business uh, and in about 2010, he said to us, we're a black business. We're, we're a South African business, a black-owned business, and government says there's money available for black-owned businesses. So go get on your bicycles and go find out for me what is available for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was then that we started to investigate what the funding landscape in South Africa was. Uh, subsequently, in 2012, the family business closed down at the end of 2012, and uh, Nadia, my sister and I, um, looked at each other and said, well, what do we want to do now? And after two years, over two years of engaging with these institutions, understanding the funding landscape and understanding what didn't work for one of the largest businesses uh, mm. in the industry, as my father's was, we said there's no way other businesses aren't struggling with this as well. And why don't we take what we've learned? Why don't we take that together with our uh, education? She's got a, a background in economics and finance. I've got a background in business and law. Why don't we bring these together along with our knowledge and start our own consulting company? And how was it received? Because I, I mean, I've had a, I've had a look at the website. I've chatted to you. I've chatted to people who, who who work with you, and by all accounts, thriving business, doing very well. But I'm sure, um, you know, when when people talk funding ever, uh, automatically it's government never happened to us and. You've got to be crooked. So it couldn't have been an easy path. Certainly not. Certainly not an easy path. Um, and I think that's what our role is, is to help businesses understand what is available, how to navigate that space and take them through that process. So, yes, early days as a startup certainly were, were very tough. Identifying target markets. We went through all those things startups go through. Um, but, you know, we, we got down to business. We really spent time understanding what it is that businesses needed. Um, and ultimately managed to define what it is that we can offer them, which is understanding that landscape, 
helping businesses understand that, yes, you hear all sorts of things in the news, but that's not the reality on the ground. And that if you do things properly and if you put your applications together the way they should be put together and if you communicate properly with the institutions, these these funds are actually uh, very accessible to, to businesses and businesses have been taking advantage of them and have been benefiting from them for many, many years. On a basic level, how, how would it work then? And we're going to get into to sort of the types of funding, the types of businesses, et cetera, et cetera, in just a little while. But on a, on a basic level, I mean, how do you guys sort of make your money? Do if, if I was to approach you and say, I have a business that does X, Y, and Z, you say, okay, that's something that, you know, we know that there's funding available for. Do you then charge me a fee? How does it, how does it work? How do we sort of get this this relationship going that is how it works so what happens is we first start off with an investigative meeting with with any prospective client uh, understanding what their needs are and determining whether or not there is a fund that they can approach if we determine that yes there is somewhere they could access funding from we then go down the road of engaging and and of course what we're doing is we're providing advice and we're providing a service so there are agreements in place and we work on a dual risk basis where we risk a lot and the client risks a little bit up front so we sign a commitment fee mm -hmm. uh, with the clients up front the client pays us all our fees we don't work for government uh, there are consultants out there that that claim they do which 99 percent of the time is not true and this is where this industry often gets a bad name this is one of the very very important points i wanted to bring up is because you hear so much about this and and the picture that gets painted is yes come along we work for government we'll do this it'll be a walk in the park and You'll, you'll have your funding and we'll get you your millions and millions of South African runs. And more often than not, I've heard it ends in tears. And that is the case more often than not when those individuals out there are trying to take advantage of, of this market and the fact that people don't understand it a lot. Uh, very seldom are you going to engage with someone from the DTI outside of the DTI or the IDC outside of the IDC. If they say they're from that institution, you should be able to meet with them in their offices. Difficulty is they don't generally have a lot of time for that. So that's where we come in and we act as the go-between. We understand what's necessary and we keep our clients, we hold their hands through the whole process and we don't keep them out of any communications. Mm -hmm. we, we make sure that when we're communicating with the institution, they're alongside with us. Um, but what we do is, like, like, you, like I was saying, is we first determine what's available. We then ha sign a commitment fee. We go to market to, uh, to raise this funding. We prepare their business plans, their financial models, their applications, uh, and then all the facilitation, all the communication back and forth with these institutions uh, right through to a successful application. And then we only really make our money if an application is successful. Mm -hmm. So our success is very much tied to our, our client success. But I mean, that, that just that concept that you, you're putting in that risk as well, it means, number one, for somebody like me, if I was to come to you, it means, it means peace of mind. It means you are legitimate. Um, the fact that you walk the path with me is going to be awesome because as you were talking now, I'm thinking, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs don't necessarily think the way they need to think in terms of this funding thing. Um, if I think about myself in my, my, my business, I'm very much sort of big picture kind of thing and also very much a don't bore me with the details. Um, and that's great for getting up the ideas and getting things going. But if it were to come to something like funding, 
I would be lost. And many entrepreneurs are like that. So to have a company such as yourself to be able to walk you through that process step by step, um, I, I think that would be absolutely phenomenal. So we're going to carry on and we're going to talk a little bit about um, sort of who would who would apply for funding. How do you get funding? What kind of businesses? Are there sizes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to talk all about that, but we're going to do that in just a little bit uh, when we come back. David Watts on Mix 93.8. But it's Mix 93.8, what's involved on a Monday night? And tonight we're talking funding with uh, Zoro Roji from Uzenzele. And uh, I've got to tell you, I've been very excited about this. I was First, uh, uh, there was a little bit of uh, trepidation. I was like, oh, funding people, I don't know if I really want. And I've got to be honest, uh, I, I get fairly picky about who and what I have on the show. But our mutual friends from the finance team said to me, listen, you've got to speak to Zara and them because... What they're doing is absolutely fantastic. I went and did a bit of homework, and it is. I mean, it's absolutely amazing what you're doing. And uh, I think the fact that you guys do it as ethically as you do is is a big part of your success. Uh, would you would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think a big part of of this industry and why it's got a bad name is because a lot of people take advantage of of business owners and um, really take them for a ride. Uh, I've heard horror stories. Really have heard horror stories in the industry, and we are very much about you know making sure that people know who we are and that's why we're happy to share what we know on tv and on radio and we speak at events because we're not hiding behind anything people are welcome to engage with us and know who we are and we want to share our knowledge which is absolutely fantastic so speaking of sharing you you're now going to need to help me address my particular elephant in the room because we always hear about bee and about funding and etc cetera, etc cetera, and it's and it's black empowerment but but the term black empowerment is is a broad term, isn't it? Because it, it covers a bunch of different cultures and people, doesn't it? It certainly does. It covers your previously disadvantaged segments of, of the country, of the population. So when uh, black economic empowerment is referred to, black is the overarching term that's used to describe African, Indian, colored and Chinese, all those groups that were previously disadvantaged under, under the apartheid regime. So it's not just African or black as people would would uh, a lot of the time think it is. Mm-hmm. So so that's answered the one thing. The mm. second thing is um, when we talk BE, and I would imagine that there's a fair amount of um, sort of medium, mid-sized businesses that are still largely white-owned and run. Um, the future for them in terms of um, doing business in the country and dealing with corporates, it, it's a bit scary at the moment, isn't it? It's very scary at the moment, and I don't blame them for being scared. Um, legislation and the new BE codes have made it a requirement for cor- corporates to start uh, procuring from transformed companies. And um, more and more, we're seeing that corporates are actually taking that uh, on board. In, in, the, in the early days, it was, you know, corporates weren't too phased. But now they're, they're really taking it seriously. We were just um, last week at the ABSA Supply Development Awards, where huge, huge names, MassMart, Sappy, um, Pick and Pay, all these companies were there showing what they're doing to transform their, their supply chains. I think, I think transformation is the, is the key word here and the critical word, because so often, and this leads to what my initial hesitation was as well, is because when you think BE, because of what's been in the public forums before, what people know about and have heard about, been reported on the news, is that means you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to get yourself a black partner 
purely as window dressing. And, you know, it's the old concept of the gravy train. But that's changing as well. That's very much changing as well. In fact, um, never was that the intention of Black Economic Empowerment, of BEE. The intention was always to bring in that portion of the the population that segments of the population that was previously kept away from from growing in the econ- in economic terms um, the idea was always to bring in people that could benefit the business yes I mean in some cases maybe not as much as you'd like but now more than ever there are fantastic uh, business people and professionals that can be brought into businesses. And mm. when we look at this, we say very clearly, if you need to bring a partner on board, find a partner that is going to add value to your business. If you're a manufacturing concern, they don't need to know how to run the machines and have run a, factor- have run a factory in the past. But bring on, do you, need some, do, you know, do, do you need a financial director in your business? Do you need someone to manage marketing? Do you need a, mm. a, a CEO? Bring that person on board. Go headhunt someone that has quality to bring to the business. Do you sort of offer advice around that? We would certainly always... So what we do is we partner with a lot of businesses. Uh, We are specialists in what we do. And um, what we do is we we bring specialists on board in different uh, aspects. So we do have businesses we can bring, bring along to help identify what is the right type of person to bring into your business, where your lack is. Hmm, okay. So we're talking um, BE and empowerment, and I'm a, I'm a big fan, and I'll tell you why I'm a big fan. Because I believe that if we have a growing middle and upper class, and the distinction between the sort of upper class and the lower, or the upper income level and the lower income level shrinks, we're going to have a much more stable country. Without a doubt. And I'm a big fan of a stable country, and I think most entrepreneurs are. I don't. I want our investment rankings. To, I want that whole thing. And if we can help people in the process, why the heck not? So, you know, hopefully we've gotten, you deal with this a lot more than I do every day. Hopefully, for the most part, we've gotten past that fear. We've gotten past the gravy train and that sort of almost like a grudge thing. Okay, well, now I've got to get a black partner on board and they're just going to sit there and do nothing. And I've spent the last 40 years building the family. Hopefully, most of that is done now. It's certainly not done, but it's about changing that mindset and educating. And that's what we're hoping to do as well. Fantastic stuff. So, let's get on to this, all right? Now, there are sort of when you say there's funding and you're able to access various funding, what sort of businesses, what level of business would you guys come in at? Um, so as Uzenzele, we predominantly assist established businesses that are looking for their next growth phase. So typically speaking, a business that has established themselves, has good track record, and now needs a capital injection to take the business to the next level. Um, Typically, 99% of the time, the businesses we're able to assist are manufacturing businesses. And that's simply because we're dealing with specific funds in government. And government's mandate is that, is to, is to uh, improve the, in- the industry in mm-hmm. this country. And manufacturing ticks a lot of government's mandate points. Job okay. creation, skills transfer, um, ex- opening up export markets. So there's a lot in manufacturing that has, that has vaster impact and vast reach. Okay, so to be very, very clear, okay, this is not for business startups. This is not a venture capital or anything like this. This is not where you're at, um, and it's not at somebody at the ideation stage. It's not where somebody goes, fantastic idea. Could I please have 117 million billion <laughs> 2011 and three rand? 
Certainly not. Certainly not. There are avenues for for those businesses, predominantly incubation. And in South Africa, there are a lot of great incubation programs uh, that can assist businesses develop their idea and and um, really establish their startups. Where we play is is in the next stage, in that growth phase, in that expansion uh, phase of businesses. Okay, and and you say predominantly in the sort of production side of of, of things. Um, what other niches or business opportunities do you do? Uh, is IT fairly big at the moment? IT is fairly big at the moment. The funding that's available is a little bit trickier um, in many in many respects. But yes, IT is, is a growing space. And mm-hmm. we're happy to engage and see where we can guide businesses in that regard. Okay. So um, if I've got the business, I've been running it, I've started it, and I'm now a sort of where I currently am, um, I'm lacking maybe the BE level that I need to be at and I'm lacking that capital, that funding to get me to the next level this is where I talk to you. Certainly, we can look at it. And we always, look, we're happy to engage with clients and and businesses looking for information. And if we can't help them, one thing that we really uh, are against is closing a door and saying we can't help you. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a client that we can help, we do our best to guide you and put you in touch with someone that can help. Okay, we got a question that uh, that's just in, but I don't think it's it's not quite where we are tonight. If I want to start a business and I'm looking for a CEO or financial manager, for argument's sake, how will we pay them a salary if our capital is low? Um, from my point of view, um, and being a business owner myself, um, capital is always a problem. But I mean, you go into the business, um, number one, if you're starting a business, I don't know if you would need a CEO immediately um, because if you did you might have the capital already Um, so yeah I, I, how would you? I'm going to pass the back here because I, my answer might not oh, be man. as diplomatic as it should be. I was, I was happy for you to keep going there, David. <laughs> no, as a startup, look, when you start up, you are CEO, CFO, CMO. You, the person that makes tea and cleans the office at the yep, end of the day. That's that's me. the reality. Um, as a startup, at the next level, that's where you start to to look at bringing on those those professions. Mm. But um, I think you know, looking, uh, trying to to get a CEO. And a CFO in as a startup, you just you're gonna you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot because it is very it's gonna require a lot of capital. That is gonna be very difficult yeah. to get. There is a definite way and a definite process that you can go through for that. Um, and maybe what I can do is I can get in somebody that'll talk about that. I think that would and, be better, and, and that'll be a great one. Uh, somebody says, uh, please provide contact details of your guest, and then somebody else says, mention the company name of the lady on air. So the company is called Uzenzele, and at the end of the interview, I will give you all of Zara's contact details, the website address, the whole bunch. So you can get it over there. So now I have now got my little manufacturing business that I've now been growing and uh, I've gotten to that stage where it is now next level. Maybe I've got one or two big contracts. What is my next step then? Do I then approach an Uzenzele and say, ladies, this is where I am. Help. Do you then take me through, as you mentioned earlier, you take me through those steps. Do you do you decide if I'm the right size business to work with? Absolutely. So what we look at is identifying and understanding what it is that you need funding for. And from there, dis- determine which avenues of funding are available to you. Is there grant funding available, which is obviously always a first prize because uh, provided you do what you said you were going to do with that money, you never have to pay it back. Ooh. 
I like that yes, sound. Yes, everyone likes that sound. <laughs> um, or is it debt funding? And that's certainly money you're going to pay back. But what are you looking for funding for? Typically speaking, um, there, are, there are specific funds around, uh, there's a black industrialist scheme that requires a majority black ownership in a business to qualify. There's an agro-processing scheme, which doesn't require any black ownership to apply. So we have to understand what does a business do and from there we ide- and how much do they need from there we identify what the right avenue is for them to access funding and as you said you would then walk walk, We'd that, walk path. that path with them we help businesses do their entire business plans their applications their financial models all of it okay this is this is getting more and more interested and I'm, I'm definitely i'm definitely looking at this and and making plans for when my business <laughs> grows but i can't really call myself an, an, an internet business or or a, a, a sort of manufacturing business at this stage but i'm sure i can we can figure out something it the it space is growing massively uh, we are chatting to uh None other than Zara Roji from Uzenzele. We'll give you her details at the end of the show, as I said. Uh, my special guest in studio tonight on What's Involved is Zara Roji from Uzenzele. And we're talking funding and uh, how to get funding from not only government, but uh, there's uh, several other, other avenues as well, some, some business as well does, does funding. Is there, are there sort of foundations, et cetera, et cetera, that, that do it, that you work with? No? Yes, there, there are alternative funding. Um, mm-hmm. institutions. So uh, outside of government and outside of your big banks, your commercial banks, there's a range of funders in the middle that are that are there specifically to help fund businesses. Okay, so I've now found uzenzele.com and I've looked at it and, looks and I've decided, okay, sounds like you guys can help me out here. Um, what does one need to actually do to get this funding because I mean to me it seems like an absolute minefield obviously you guys know how to walk your way through it but I've got to I've got to do certain things myself so take me through step by step what needs to be done Um, I think the most important thing is to be ready to access finance so before we can even help a business we take a look at what they have already in place and those are some simple things. Compliance, for example, is extremely important. Making sure all of your company documents are in order. Making sure you've got annual financial statements. Um, BE certificates. It doesn't matter what that certificate says. I mean, certainly, depending on where you're going to access funds from, your level will be relevant. But have a certificate. Show that you're at least compliant or trying to be compliant. Have your tax clearance certificate. Um, I mean, majority of the funding we raise is government funding. That funding comes from Treasury, and Treasury gets that money from taxpayers. So if you're not a good taxpayer don't expect to access any of it fair enough mm-hmm. um and then uh have a very important aspect is to have the right team in place because if you're going to ask someone to put their money into your business they're going to want to see that you know what you're doing and lastly have a market secured um that means having offtake agreements or contracts or purchase orders or letters of intent at the very least from your pr- prospective clients we get a lot of businesses that say you know the market for cell phones is 10 billion rand Okay, great. What's your share of that market? The fact that it's there doesn't mean you're going to get any of it. And funders want a, a security uh, to make sure that the funding they give you is going to actually result in a sustain is going to go towards a sustainable business. So, in other words, if I if I manufacture widgets, I need to have a contract with a mine or a whatever kind of big corporate, or at least a letter of intent saying that if you can blah, 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 we would like to order 10 million per month. Exactly. Is that, is that what we're talking about? Exactly. That's what we're talking about. Now, surely this kind of thing, and, and I mean, we've said the landscape is changing in South Africa in terms of business and how business gets done. 
Um, I think that the, the small entrepreneur will always, always be around and the guys who are starting up businesses. And those are, those are people that we need. Absolutely. But small businesses, and the only way forward for us, in my opinion, is if small businesses grow into larger businesses, into medium-sized businesses. Is it worthwhile? And, and now let's talk about my little business that I run at the moment. There's three, four of us that are involved in the business at the moment. Um, it's growing. It's in the digital niche. It sounds very sexy. Should I be worried about this kind of thing now to start preparing for my growth going forward? Any business that is looking to grow in the future needs to make sure that they're compliant and they've got that in order. It doesn't take much to put in an accounting software and make sure that your books are in order, pay your taxes and um, and have the right, I mean, generally speaking, you've got the right team. So to have that in order shouldn't be difficult. It's just scary how many businesses couldn't be bothered to do it. I often wonder if it's, and, and we've spoken to other people about that as well. And it's again, it's this entrepreneurial thing is you get involved, it's a family business, you know, it's mom and dad and Uncle Ted and your brother and your sister, and everybody kind of does their own thing and you, you're sort of chasing turnover, chasing turnover, and uh, you get to the stage, you know, and then Auntie Flo is doing your books because she was a bookkeeper, and, and you don't. You don't plan for that kind of thing. And then you get to the day when, when you suddenly hit a wall and you need to get bigger, and now we would approach somebody like you and you would sort of go, mm compliance first. So it is worthwhile for somebody, even as small a, a business as I am, to go, listen, if I'm hoping to grow in, in whatever way, shape or form, because I'm, I'm assuming it's not just government and corporates that fund, maybe there's, a, there's private investors that you would like to get involved. And um, if, if they look at your, your, your books, et cetera, et cetera, and it's like a dog's breakfast, then you're in trouble. Absolutely. And what you see a lot in family businesses is, of course, you know, um, there's, there's a a very blurred line between business and personal. The business account gets used for personal things. And that's not the end of the world as long mm. as you're accounting for everything and you have all your ducks in a row. So the day that you want to actually resolve, uh, you know, go and access funding or bring on a partner or get a venture capitalist or a private equity partner, whatever it happens to be, that you're able to, to actually fi- not fix because there shouldn't be a problem in it. You should be accounting for everything. But to actually remove all those elements from the business, you should be able to do that without, you know, it being a real headache for you okay so if i come to you because i mean you know your website's pretty and you look fairly approachable on the website and i come to you and i go zara it's a mess would you have a look at and say okay it's got potential um but you need would you walk me through the steps of my non-compliance and help me to become more compliant yes what we'll do is we'll guide you in terms of what it is you need to do to become compliant and then you know, invite you to obviously come back to us when you've got that resolved. But we're not that business that's going to take you on board when you don't have everything in order because you're going to tell us we didn't help you, but we couldn't. Mm-hmm. So we want to rather tell you, you know, what do you need to go and fix? Go fix those things. Come back and we'll look at it again. But yes, there is potential or whatever the case might be. And again, uh, we we spoke about this. Uh, we touched on a little earlier on. Um, it's not your business of necessarily matching a BEE partner or an empowerment partner with my business. But you do have contacts where you could maybe point me in the right direction or you could, you could I, I know I might be putting you on the spot here a little bit, but I'm, I'm just asking because that's the other thing that to me would be a scary thing is, um, and even any sort of a partner, um, you know, when you enter into it, I think it's probably 
I don't know. Okay, sorry. I was just thinking about equating it to marriage. I'm going. Well, I don't know which is worse. <laughs> which is yeah. worse? You can get. Yeah, I think you might uh, be able to get out of a marriage a bit more easily yeah. these days. Yeah, um, but it, it is. It's it's a massive commitment. I mean, this is your baby. This is something that you've built from the ground up or taken over from the family, um, and now you need to get other people involved. And in terms of legislation, we are going to need to get those people involved. Certainly. Um, there's various aspects to that. I, so certainly try and find someone who you're comfortable with or who's been in the business for a while, you've got experience with. If you can bring someone like that on board, great. No one ever said give away your business. So just because you found the right person doesn't mean you need to now give the shares away. There are various ways to to sell those shares. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also ways to look at it a bit more interestingly with uh, the likes of grant funding, for example, uh, for a manufacturing business. Let's let's assume there's a white-owned manufacturing business. And yes, you're n- uh, as, as this business, you're now at risk because um, uh, legislation requires that you, you transform. Corporates must, must procure from um, businesses that have a, a black ownership element to them. Mm-hmm. And you're a bit scared of this. However, if you were able to bring on that black shareholder, your business would likely increase. You'd get more orders. You'd get more clients. And to do that, you'd probably need to improve your manufacturing capacities, increase your, your, your factory, buy new production lines, whatever the case might be. Grant funding is available for that. That mm. grant funding is unlocked by a black partner. Uh-huh. and black owner. So it's about looking at it slightly differently, not just going, you know, bring on a black partner for the sake of it. Look at it strategically. There are various ways, and that's just one. There are various ways. One thing that is extremely important is to always remember, don't bring on a black partner and try and pretend that they are real. If you bring on a partner, bring on a real black partner. They must have real shares, real ownership rights, real voting rights, real management rights in that business. This was the next thing, because there's this whole fronting thing where, you know, you, you sort of take some, some poor person who, who, who may be working as a sweeper on the factory floor and then on the paperwork, suddenly this person has shares and is a this, that, and the next thing. Meantime, they have no idea about it and people, that, that's fraud. That's fraud. And now a BEE commission has been set up for those sorts of things. So, you know, someone can call into the BEE commission and say, I believe that uh, company X over there has got fronting going on and the BEE commission will investigate. And the fine there is up to 10 years in prison and up to 10 year, 10% of revenue as a, as a fine. So it's now, pretty big. But I know, and as a business owner, you're a business owner as well. Um, you know, the thought of getting a partner in and I've, I've run businesses before where I've done it essentially by myself. My current business, I have a partner in the business um, who put up the capital up front, uh, promised to be a silent partner. He's not doing terribly well at that so far. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, it's massive. It's a huge, huge thing because, you know, here's somebody else that has shares in my baby and is going to sit in a meeting with me and tell me what they think is right or wrong because of the fact of those shares. Um, that's that's a scary thing. But now, if you're a business like mine or getting to that stage, why not? Because my belief is we need the the R. Oh, okay, you can say what you like. We there's there's stuff in this country, and we need to redress those issues. Absolutely. End of story. And I'm not suggesting for one single second that we give anybody a free ride. In fact, I'm totally opposed to that. Um, and I think people, um, 
the guys, at least the guys I've met, the people of color that I've met have gone, no, 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 no. Don't do it because I'm black. Do it because I can fit in the position. 100%. Um, a mate of mine has actually said it's the biggest, biggest sign of disrespect for him ever if somebody wants him because he's black, not because he's capable. Absolutely. And um, Nadia and I get approached regularly to to take up uh, shareholding in businesses because of the fact that you know we're Indian, so we qual- we qualify as black under the codes. And you know, that's, that's not what we're interested in. If I'm going to take shareholding, it's going to be in a business that I can add value. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I can add value in, in many businesses, but that I want to be involved in, not yeah. just for the sake of you know just having shares. For what? Now, for somebody somebody like me, somebody that's, <coughs> oh, excuse me, a little, a little, sort of maybe a little bigger than I am, is it not worthwhile having a look at people that are coming out of the various colleges out of the various universities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and putting them on a path. So they start off with you in one position in the business, but with the aim that they're going to learn, they're going to add value from day one, but they're going to learn and they're going to grow into the business. And then you've got a chance. You've worked with those people for for a long time. Um, You know, they they realize they're working towards something, so they're likely to be more invested, more dedicated. Um, is is this a pipe dream or is this something that could work in reality? It's certainly something that could work in reality and I think more businesses need to take that on. And I think a lot of businesses are doing it. What's important is also to do it the right way. So we see a lot of the time businesses go, you know, I need to bring on a black shareholder. There's this guy that's been working with me for the past 10 years. He's great and I want him to be a shareholder. Have you prepared that person to actually have a C-suite role? Mm-hmm. So it's not just about it being a great person. That's great. Great people are a dime a dozen there are so many is that person able to take on that role because this is the other thing i mean very often these people get shoved into roles that they you're setting them up to fail exactly and this is what we see happening constantly is you hear about businesses and you know there was a a black shareholder and when i say black of course once again african indian kind of chinese whatever the case might be there was this this black shareholder there and the business failed because they didn't know what they were doing and and they were just put there no one said to do that uh-huh. You chose to do that. Yeah. You could. You you should be picking the right person for that role as as the owner of the business when you bring them on board. Absolutely, so true. It's almost time. I cannot believe it. It is almost time. In fact, uh, my little clock here is telling me that we're about to run out of time. Um, so the big question is, Zara, where do people get hold of you guys? Um, people can get hold of us on our website, www.uzenzele.com. Um, and we'd appreciate if you do want to engage with us on our website, there is an inquire here button. Fill that in so that we can have the, the information at hand when we engage with you to, to discuss properly what your requirements are. Mm-hmm. We're also available on Twitter, at Uzenzele, on LinkedIn, Uzenzele Holdings, um, and um, at our office, 012-346-5174. All right, and, and you would be happy if somebody has a question, just a question. You'd, you'd be happy to kind of answer that via the email or something. And, and I think you've made it very clear over the course of this interview that if people do approach you and want to engage, you will tell them what they need to do, how they need to do it. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Something that I thought was this horrible, dark, scary thing that we were going to be talking about in terms of funding. You've made it a whole lot clearer. Uh, I'm sorry we've had uh, only an hour to do it in. But again, if you'd like to get hold of uh, any of the team there, uh, it is uzenzele.com. 
www.sfm.co.za.com. Thank you so much, Zora. Have yourself a wonderful evening. Uh, time for me to get up and out of here. We'll be back again next week with more What's Involved. Before I go, though, one last thing. Thanks for listening. David Watts on Mix 93.8.